That is another cool track from the uh, Charles Billingsley album. It's Christmas time again, which we uh, a couple of weeks ago on our big, or several weeks ago, about three, four weeks ago on yeah. the, uh, the big Christmas show. We, yeah, Charles Billingsley, good, good crooner, man. Like that guy. Can't go uh, wrong. Can't go wrong. And uh, it's a week before Christmas, so hopefully everybody's getting uh, getting all their gifts wrapped up and tidied up. Ordering that last-minute Amazon stuff. It's uh, <laughs> it's never really feels Christmassy here. It's just it's just dry and and, uh, and just dry. Considering a good bit of the city burned, man. Um, are we, well, you, you of course were here in 1961. I was big, n- for the yeah. Big Bel Air fire. I was were you born yet? You, no. were, you weren't born yet. That's, no. no, that I was born in 61, so you could have been. <laughs> no, uh, I, uh, here I for, was not. For I was not. Fire. But. I certainly grew up hearing all about it, and that was just the most devastating thing. I mean, that is that is still the legendary Southern California fire because it, you know, not not that a, a, it, it's it's like a tornado, right? Mm. When when something destroys a you know a blue collar area or or wipes out a poor neighborhood, everyone's kind of sad, but they're like, well, it wasn't well, it wasn't worth much anyway. I mean, mm. that's that's it's a horrible thing, but the news pays attention to when mansions go up more than it does anything well, you'll, else. You'll find that they mention it. They, they 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 always say because there's been more than the, the you know the Skirball fire, which yeah. is the one that's been near. You know the yeah, the, the, Getty. The, the, the Getty and all of that, and, and some of the mansions. I think um, Rupert Mur- Murdoch had a vineyard or something like that that burned as a yeah. part of this recent fire. I know, I know a lot of people who I, I know who really don't like Murdoch. were sort of like, yeah. I'm like, let me tell you something. Murdoch probably has never even seen that house. Yeah. <laughs> and he's probably going to make more money from the insurance. He now. probably doesn't even know that he owns that house. It's, it's, uh, yeah. So, so all of that. But they always mention the, yeah. the, the the value of the property in the reporting on yeah. television. This is a this is a plainly a two three million dollar. They yeah. say it like yeah. that, as opposed to when they were up in Selmar, uh, where there was another big fire. Yeah, um, you know, ordinary people, ordinary homes, still you know, very very lovely homes. It is it is much more. I, I this always bothers me because it is much more tragic. Again, a mansion that Rupert Murdoch probably doesn't know that he even owns, which is fully insured. Yeah, th- that is not as tragic as when a Guatemalan mudslide wipes out a hut. And everything in it, and that poor family loses absolutely everything that they own, and that's everything. And in has the world. no it has no resources, and no insurance, no and no resources to yeah. rebuild. Rupert I, Rupert's vineyard will be fine. I I wish the news would would have more perspective on that. But in any case, any case, so uh, getting into the home stretch now, starting to get a you know a few final movies that uh, that were not part of our awards mix, uh, Last Jedi, and yeah. the. Uh, and the great entertainer with Hugh Jackman, and uh, obviously the Ridley Scott film. These are all now falling into place. So yeah, all the money in the world. Yeah, uh, yeah we're gonna uh, with of, with with Christopher Plummer, of I, course. I, I say that I I feel almost like the spacey thing was a blessing in disguise. I really do. Mm-hmm. Like they dodged a bullet. That Christopher Plummer, and and I still need to find out if they rewrote scenes, if they wrote new scenes to take advantage of the fact that they, you know, because when. I mean, they didn't just reshoot Kevin Spacey stuff. Yeah. I think I think they wrote new scenes. Yeah, so I think they reconceived wrote it for yeah to, to, to make sense for the actor. I really do because you get to that place. Things. You get to that in the editing sometimes where you think, "Gosh, if we if we had a do over, I sure would love to have this shot or this scene. I would. It would be great if we had a scene here that did this. It's too bad it wasn't in the script because yeah. now we're cutting." And it and it really would it would work. Yeah, and once you and once you open the uh, once you open the can, uh, yeah. you might as well you know uh, d- yeah. diddle around with all the parts. If you have a point to if if you can go back and reshoot stuff, uh, I guarantee you the editors are like, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> Why don't we? Yeah, for sure. I can't believe they cast Kevin Spacey and put all that rubber crap on his face in the first place and thought that was a good idea. I mean, I get it. He's in that series. and Apparently, you know. Christopher Plummer, well, they wanted him originally, but it was Kevin Spacey was, was justified. I mean, look, it, 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 you live by the sword, die by the sword, yeah. right? He's like, justified the Spacey, budget is what you're going to Kevin yeah. Spacey means more. Yeah. Well, he means more until, yeah. until <laughs> underage men start saying, you know. He yeah. threw me on the bed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you notice Brian Singer went missing. Oh, so, well, so, well, so to speak, went missing. Yeah, that's. Th- uh, we're going to learn a lot more about they're, what's they're, going they're on there. Stuff, their stuff, their stuff. Timing. But he just thought of he went off. He, well, they he did they fire AWOL. him or they did he quit? Him. They, they fired him. They fired him. They but fired he went a wall first. 
he was dis he was van he was missing for you know he says he wanted to take care of a sick parent so and Fox wouldn't give him time off after after Thanksgiving he didn't come back to the set the DP had to direct the movie for two days can you imagine yeah. DP is directing the movie I mean not that he's you know that's a, that's a horrible thing a DP knows what to do with a camera but come on yeah I mean this is this is a mess so. because we're paying Brian Singer Brian Singer money. Yeah, not to have the DP direct, and I don't know what I, I don't I didn't really know what that was all about. But he went yeah. away for a while, and now he's gone away. So anyway. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and all right. Hollywood always in trip. So I'm gonna burn through a bunch of anime. We got just gigantic piles of anime. So before the the before you know, anime fans love their anime, and Christmas is coming up. So before we let Christmas get out get away, uh, let me just kick through a whole bunch of anime here that is new and available, and will make the anime fan in your family probably a a teenage boy but i know there are a lot of teenage girls that <laughs> yeah, love anime yeah a lot of grown men that love anime yeah. so um here's what's out there real quickly we got a whole bunch of stuff we got a couple here from made in japan uh section uh, 23 releases the uh, made in japan label and there are a couple from the made in japan library uh two heart two 13 episodes from that series which is you know more schoolgirl stuff with different colored hair it's kind of you know it's it's fine. Uh, and, um, you know, it's schoolgirls with science fiction and alien attributes and things like that. And then uh, the really beautifully animated The Good Witch of the West, which is, uh, which is quite lovely. Uh, something I was not, not terribly familiar with. But this is also 13 episodes on two discs, also on Blu-ray. Um, very, very nicely. Uh, that's really beautiful artwork. Um, a whole bunch of stuff from the Sente Library as well, also from Section 23. Uh, Sente is, apart from Funimation, far and away the most dominant library in anime. Uh, always always something interesting going on there. We've got a the initial D stuff, which is sort of, you know, Fast and the Furious uh, anime version. Uh, initial D Legend 1 Awakening. Uh, which is DVD and Blu-ray combo set. Very uh, teen, very hipster, very cool, very... Automotive. Uh, we also have. Uh, I'm Sakamoto. Haven't you heard the complete collection? Thirteen episodes on two discs. Uh, this is uh, this is more uh, Japanese school politics, but with one guy in particular who's kind of a mysterious figure. And uh, there's some uh, there's some really kind of challenging animation here. Uh, they take some risks that you don't normally see in anime. So that's interesting. Uh, Golden Time, 24 episodes on three discs, also on Blu-ray, complete collection, Golden Time. Uh, this is, uh, you know, again, more school stuff. The Japanese in the school, I don't get it, but, uh, you know, they, they somehow find ways of, uh, of making the, the whole the challenge of being in school, whether it's college or high school, uh, some kind of a genre uh Thing. It's always you know it's, it's, it gets interesting. Uh, let's see what else we got here real quickly. Love Chuni Bio and other delusions. Complete seasons one and two. More school stuff. The very very elegantly animated uh, Cheka. This is twenty two episodes plus the OVA stuff. Complete series season one and season two together. Um, the uh, there's a this is a. This is really cool kind of fantasy sci-fi stuff, uh, galactic empire politics. Uh, a lot of very, very clever writing here. That's, uh, that's something that for a, like a serious anime fan will love. Cheka, the Coffin Princess, season one and two. Uh, when They Cry, also seasons one through three on Blu-ray, a nine-disc set, 55 episodes. Um, this is fantastic. A lot of people I know who are really, really into anime. This is one of their favorite shows. Uh, the uh, it's a uh, it's kind of like a horror horror fantasy anime. Again, really interesting animation. Very clever writing. A little bit gruesome. Uh, it's not for kids. This is very uh, very adult. It's got a lot of really kind of gory, creepy stuff going on, but it's not, you know, Legend of the Overfiend stuff. It doesn't uh, doesn't get into the uh, the adults only realm. So um, you might want to check this out. Just uh, you know, feel out your your anime fans, see what kind of stuff they love. Uh, skewing much more to the younger set is the Squid Girl complete collection, seasons one and two, plus OVAs. 
not really my speed. Feels very Pokemon, but, uh, you know, it's got an environmental message, which I guess is meaningful to some people. Um, a little bit more for older kids, kind of a teen thing, is uh, Haikyuu, H-I-K-Y-U, first season. Two exclamation points at the end of that. 25 episodes on three discs. Uh, it's, you know, more school stuff. High school volleyball and uh, high school politics and athletics. You know, it's, I guess, Japanese kids must have issues in school. I don't know. Uh, and then the last two from uh, Sente is... Hakenden, Eight Dogs of the East. Um, really well animated, uh, but this gets into that area where it's a little bit impenetrable in terms of the uh, all of the, the 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 village politics and the uh, the fantasy and the, the, the you know the demons and the powers and all the fantasy aspects to it. A little bit disorienting. Uh, I the 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 far fetched stuff, the fantasy stuff, the demons, the creatures, all of that is really quite amazing to look at. Uh, it really is very, very impressive, if you don't mind being utterly confused as to what the rules of that universe are. Uh, and then lastly, maybe the, the most interesting uh, bit of animation in all of this is uh, Clannad, uh, part of the Clannad and Clannad After Story epic. Uh, you get both of them here, 24 episodes of Clannad on three discs and Clannad After Story, 25 episodes on three discs. Uh, if you're familiar with Air and Kanan, this is from the same animation teams. I'm not necessarily familiar with Air and Kanan, but, uh, you know, the, this again takes place in the Japanese school environment, but with a bit of a more, uh, it's a little bit more of a thriller. It feels almost kind of semi-Hitchcockian, and then there's like a fantasy twist to it. It's really interesting stuff. Uh, from Nozomi is uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena, the Apocalypse Saga. This, if you're into the Revolutionary Girl, these things are, you know, a world unto themselves, just like all, all these other epics. So uh, if you don't know what that's all about, you're, it's too late to start. And then Digimon Adventure Try. We've got a couple, uh, a couple new releases here from uh, the people at Shout Factory. Confession. And Determination, both of them come in Blu-ray, DVD, digital download combo sets. Uh, the digital download thing, especially as pertains to uh, anyone who is outside of movies anywhere now, is a little bit up in the air. So uh, I'm, I've been trying for weeks, by the way, Tim. I've been trying for mm. weeks to get questions answered about the technical roadmap of Movies Anywhere. Mm -hmm. I, haven't, I haven't gotten any answers yet. Mm. So uh, everybody wants to know, you know, how many other companies are going to join Movies Anywhere? How, you know, if so, when? If not, what's their format going to be? Anybody who needs to know, I don't have answers to that yet, but I'm, I'm working on it. So uh, those are two new Digimon uh, Adventure Try sets. Um, confession and Determination. I have mm. no idea if your digital download is going to, you know, be proprietary or not. And then, uh, you know, I'll do the rest of these later in the show, but let me uh, just also mention Mobile Suit Gundam W. Gundam. Mobile Suit, yeah, Mobile Suit Gundam Wing, uh, Endless Waltz. This is from uh, the uh, Sunrise Collection, which is with the people that write stuff. Um, you know, either you're into Gundam or you're not. The suit is awesome. The storylines are all part of a huge cosmic epic. If you're not caught up... There's no point in trying. Just just watch one and try to keep up. Otherwise, you're gonna have to go back to the very first Gundam series and watch the first episode. And you're gonna watch then like 30 <laughs> Gundam series. And next thing you know, five years will go by, and it's just it's all encompassing. And Gun you won't understand them any more than you. None of it at all. Gundam is a, just a universe unto itself. It's <gasps> I, I don't even know how the writers of, of Gundam keep up with it themselves. Yeah. Because it's like The Simpsons, right? You 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 have like 20 years worth of Gundam world. It's like Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. It's There's all just, referential it's and all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. It's you have to get a degree in it. It's it's crazy. But anyway, uh, this is this is pretty terrific. Really cool. Great action. But you know, making sense of it is another question. That is uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Wing Endless Waltz. Wow! 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 Uh, you want to want to knock off a few yeah, new you know movies? What? What uh, do you think? Yeah, let's do a few new movies, and then I'll I'll, I'll save the Funimation stuff for later because it's a, that's a that's a special 
batch of stuff all by itself. Uh, so we'll do the we'll do the because one of them here is actually you know live action. So I'll I'll address that uh, in a separate batch. But let's do some new movies. You know, so a trip to Spain. Uh, Steve Coogan and Rob Brighton again in their continuing series of third Michael one. Bottom, yeah, of what I understand, it's going to be a six. We went to England. We went to Italy. Oh, there going to be three more. I think there will be three oh, more. That's fantastic. Uh, 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 six part series there. Um, look, um, I, I I certainly enjoyed the first two deeply. There's a diminishing return, you know, because basically we're with these guys. They're traveling all over these, you know, uh, picturesque places. There are eating. only there are only so many people they can do impressions yeah, of, you know, and, and they've been killing Michael Caine over <laughs> and, and, and Sean Connery over a couple of them. Now. Anyway, they, they really are funny, but uh, you know, how, how can they get away with three more? I don't, I don't know. It'll depend on the food, I suppose. Ultimately, depend on the food. Uh, so that's what that one is. Viceroy's house. Um, I, I appreciated this film. There were a couple of these. Victoria and Abul was one, all of which were speaking to one yeah. point or another in the uh, in the uh, in the idea of the British Raj and what yeah. was going on in India and all all that kind of stuff. This one uh, with Gillian Anderson doing a perfectly wonderful sort of British accent. I love her because she's out there putting the reverse on that thing that's been going on for a long time, where all the <laughs> Brits have been coming here and doing American yeah. accents. And no, Gillian's like, no, no, I can do that. I can do that, and Look, she does. The guy who stars in Get Out yeah. is British. Yeah, you know, it's just a crazy <laughs> thing. To br- um, so this was interesting. Uh, basically, it's about that period uh, yeah. at, at the end of the British Raj when everything was sw- switching back and forth. There's a lot of political intrigue that goes on in this movie. And, and, you, know, I, you know, I count myself somewhat knowledgeable about this period that I did not uh, know. Uh, that all kinds of deals had been cut and made that had to do with Bangladesh and yeah. Pakistan and where the dividing line would be and all kinds of things that were going on. All kinds of deals were made behind the back of the, the Viceroy. Yeah. Uh, so while he was negotiating and making promises, other promises had already been made. So interesting. Uh, that would lead him to you know uh, look like – anyway, we know what happened to him. Michael Gambon in the movie – um, based on a true story, I like it. Lots of special features, including the se- deleted scenes and and this, that, and the other thing. And you know, director Gurinder Chadha, I just absolutely adore. I have met Gurinder. Gurinder, uh, her, her big breakthrough was Bend It Like Beckham. Yeah, and uh, which was produced by Deepak Nair, who's a good friend of ours, and uh, and we were at his house for his Diwali party. No, oh. uh, but uh, my wife used to work for for Deepak as well, which all ties into the David Lynch thing. But um, we met Gurinder at the uh, at the uh, first cast and crew screening of uh, Bennett Like Beckham, and she's just the most wonderful, warmest human being. She and her husband do all these films together, and uh, I think that really did not get enough credit this year. That is a step up for her. Yeah, you know that's really because she then went and do, did Bride and uh, Bride and Prejudice, the the, the Bollywood musical version yeah. of it, and uh, she's 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 so talented. So I, I hope that you know gets a little after the fact love on DVD. I, I, I rather enjoyed it myself. Reese Witherspoon uh, in Home Again. God help um, us all. Yeah, a film from a uh, from oh. Haley Meyer Shire. Haley Meyer Shire, of course, being the child of Charles Shire and Nancy, Nancy Meyer. Um, uh, I have look Haley. I want to I, I want to speak very directly to her. You are you you, I, you are you were no doubt talented. You grew up with two very talented parents, but your your Hollywood biography uh, with Reese Witherspoon effectively playing you with with daddy issues and you know the daughter of a filmmaker yeah. and all of this stuff. Um, there is nothing in this movie that is accessible for an average person. Oh, e- even the commentary track there which is features nothing. her and her mom. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you and I make a movie. You know who's not going to be on the commentary track with me? My mom. <laughs> because she doesn't know Jack about movies. I mean, I mean, she does, but she's not going to be on the commentary track. Look, but, you know, that's it, the yeah. thing. Yeah. The, 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 the thing that drove me crazy with that movie, as well-intentioned as it is, and I understand there are a lot of issues there, and we're, we're dealing with a lot of issues and, and so forth and so on, but, but here's the problem. The, there... Part of the story is that there are these film students that have this they're they're just trying to break through with their movie and take meetings and for reasons that make no sense at all, they wind up living at Reese Witherspoon's house. And there's a thing in the movie, there's a moment where the director guy, 
you know, there's three these three guys, and they all, uh, and then then you know, Reese Witherspoon has her ex husband played played by Michael Sheen, and yeah. then then they you know, there's like an affair with the young guy and Michael Sheen and the rivalry, and it all gets very messy. But of the young filmmaker guys, there's a moment where the director guy and this and his screenwriter buddy get into a fight, of a fight of friendship and loyalty because the screenwriter guy took a job on a script and didn't tell him about it. <laughs> now, you know what? Yeah. Tim, if you if you took a job tomorrow uh, on, on getting doing a screenplay rewrite, I would be like right on. Way to go, man. baby. Right way to go. <laughs> That's because everyone knows. Everyone Are you who's ever me? if if you if somebody offers you a job in Hollywood writing the direct you take uh, the job. Who who berates their buddy for taking a screenwriting job? Do you know how hard that is? How rare that is? See, that's where this film feels completely disconnected from reality yeah. to me. Is that the like these are Hollywood problems, and you know Hallie has got to she's 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 got to you know find a real world. There's some talent there. There's yeah. no doubt. You can't yeah. you can't not be talented and and have those two parents. But but it's a know, matter of subject. Go to, go into the real world. Yeah. Go yeah. into the real world. Spend a year in the Peace Corps or something. You know. And whatever you do. This is not directed at her, just generally speaking. Generally. Generally speaking, probably not a good idea to make your first film about yourself. Uh, yeah. About you, Unle- and, you know, unless you're unless you're Francois Truffaut, <laughs> yeah, right, four hundred yeah, <laughs> blows, yeah, uh, uh, um, uh, which is you know really a film about all of those little boys like that. Yes, it you know, is. Who who lived like that? He was yes, one of them. Is. He happened to be one of them. Yeah. But the film is like you know this is us. Uh, we're talking about four hundred blows. Uh, so anyway, uh, yes. that's what that was. Home again. Love Reese though. Reese is having a, a lovely little career, a little life because uh, she's got that television show, Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. Uh, uh, this movie, so kind of neat to see that Reese is still hanging in there uh, after all of this time. Um, also, Crown Heights uh, here, Matt Ruskin film, um, set in 1990, uh, based on an actual story. A teenager is, is gunned down in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Uh, Crown Heights is a good movie. It's a good movie. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a solid uh, procedural uh, with some pretty neat special features on it, too, including a commentary by the director. Um, and, 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 and it really is it, it really is just a tight movie that traces this, this particular event and, and the sort of pressures of the police it, you know it's funny that, that, that these movies speak to events that are happening in, 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 in society right now that have to do with justice and fairness amongst yeah. between police and, 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 and uh, communities of color and, and, and how those things sort of work out there was a trial that just came to a few, right. few, few yeah. weeks ago yeah. where a decision was made and I don't know if you were following that yeah. but I, that so deeply moved Moved me. A police officer shot in on, on, on armed black man. Yeah. The, the, the details are irrelevant. They're all the same. Years. He was sentenced to twenty years. Yet, yet, upon being sentenced to twenty years, he told the parents of that man that he was sorry. He hmm. apologized by name to the parents, to the cousins, to every person who came to that trial uh, to hear the sentencing. He apologized by name to every one of those people. Hmm. You know what? I have to. Deepest, deepest respect for that police officer, that former police officer, I guess, you know, what it yeah. is. Because we don't always do that. He, yeah. You know what? He took the hit. I made a mistake. Uh, uh, and I need to take the hit, and I need to say I'm sorry. And what did those parents and all the uh, family do? They forgave him. Yeah. Dude, I got to tell you, that was that's, a, that's an extremely powerful, powerful thing. An extremely f- powerful thing. And this movie is uh, loosely based on a true story and, it, and sort of shaped like that in a particular yeah. kind of way. Uh, got a couple of uh, a couple here, Dis- different movies, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hit them both in the same breath. John Corbett, uh, interesting guy, he just keeps showing up. You know, he's yeah. been he's been all over movies and television for a lot of years now. And sex he's in the city for years. Sex in the city, and you know, uh, big fat Greek wedding, and you know, John Corbett just he's sort of a, an everyman that people really relate to. Uh, really good casting in All Saints, which is a true story of a guy who was a salesman, became a pastor, and lost his church, and then, um, you know, became kind of a, a patron for this group of uh, Southeast Asian refugees. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a true story, 
I wouldn't call this a faith-based film, even though it was made by a group that is primarily known for that, but um, comes with some cool special features and, you know, all about the making of the film and uh, behind-the-scenes, deleted-scenes stuff. And uh, But you know what? It is a very touching story, and John Corbett is the right guy for this. He really is. And it does not feel like a faith-based film. No, it film, doesn't. Which, it which doesn't. is a really interesting thing, because it, it, it in fact, actually is. It, 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 but it, it doesn't yeah. feel like it at all. Um, and, and, that, and that's a marker of something right there, that these stories can be told in such a way that they are engaging, and, and there are a lot of them, but Boys Town. Yeah. Boys yeah. Town. Sure. Boys Town would be a faith-based film today. It would, uh, actually. Uh, yeah, but you're it, right. But it's, but it's not really, is it? You know, yeah. uh, Because it's this really, really good movie uh, executed and performed. And that, and that movie is, too, that John Corbett film. I liked it quite a lot, All Saints. And then Birth of the Dragon, uh, Blu-ray, DVD, and digital copy set. I wanted to like this so much more. Yeah. Look, I, I really did. Uh, this is this is a true story of well, it's it's based on a true event. So so here's the thing: uh, before Bruce Lee really became Bruce Lee, he was in San Francisco. He was teaching kung fu, and uh, he was challenged by Wong Jack Man, who was a very traditional kung fu master from Hong Kong, who came and this was going to be sort of the battle of the generations: the traditionalist versus the you know the new guy who dares to teach kung fu to white people and black people and you know kind of mix it up and be a little bit a little bit cockier and and that actually happened there was a fight between bruce lee and wong jack man it really happened yes and what happened there is the subject of some debate but there are people who were there including bruce lee's wife linda who was pregnant with brandon at the time while her husband is going toe-to-toe in this just brutal fight in a warehouse somewhere yeah that is not part of this story. Linda is not in this Linda's movie. Linda's not even yeah. in this movie. Uh, she's mentioned once, just where he says, you know, I think uh, they don't like me because my wife is white. And, uh, you know, my grandmother was white. And that's and that's kind of it. Uh, and then there's this whole fake story with, with, the, the with this white guy yeah. and this young Asian girl and this, you know, interracial romance. Sort of, yeah. And, you know, she's caught up in a brothel. And it, it just, it wasn't, that. that's a non-story. It doesn't, that shouldn't even be part of this. So they really kind of missed the boat on this. Um, George Nolfi, who directed it, you know, he's 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 got a, a pedigree. He's not a bad director. The film's well put together, but... They just they just really missed the boat on the on the focus. So anyway, Birth of the Dragon, ah, uh, you know, of all of all the movies that are ostensibly about Bruce Lee, I, I don't know that I would put this one near the top. And I got American Assassin over here, which you know, look, Michael Keaton is the thing that makes this movie. Uh, walking around this movie, so it's, the movie's about a young guy. He loses his uh, the love of his life, his girlfriend, in one of these uh, you know horrible sort of attacks, yep. and it and it drives him to want to become involved in uh, the sort of mercenary sort of uh, uh, ex U.S. Navy SEAL sort of thing, so he can go out and protect people. A little bit strange that Michael Keaton is going to do something like this after having been in two consecutive Best Picture winners, yeah. right? Birdman and Spotlight. And uh, getting an Oscar nomination there, I, it and then he goes. Well, not 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 just this. He's that that, that spider. He's one of the better things in that Spider-Man movie. Sure, for sure. Uh, so but I got to figure. Uh, what's Michael Keaton doing? I don't know. You know, uh, uh, it, anyway, well, Spider-Man made, movie. I know what he's doing in Spider-Man. He's getting paid. No, this made, yeah, and he's. I guess he's getting paid here too. Yeah, I guess he's getting paid so. here too. But this, you know, I don't know. People appreciated this movie. It wasn't that really? Wasn't that fantastic to me? But it's but it was okay. So now Latham and a few other people in it. Yeah. All kinds of crap on this DVD. Uh, so if you're a fan, check it out. This is a part of a book series, too, though, so I imagine there will probably be a few few more of those. Yep. And uh, let's see. we got TV. Uh, we're – why don't we uh, – you know, let me let me go through the criterions. Okay. You let's, knocked those let's, off. Let's hit the criterions real quickly. We have got uh, Monterey Pop, the complete Monterey Pop Festival on Blu-ray, finally, from Criterion. Uh, Dia Pennybaker's three films uh, produced by Lou Adler, who yeah. uh, lives about five minutes away from me. Um, you always see Lou Adler. By the way, people who watch Laker games on television, anytime you see Jack Nicholson sitting right there on the floor watching the Lakers, sitting next to him is a kind of old hippie-looking guy with long gray hair and yeah. a beard. That's Lou. Yeah. Uh, that's Lou Adler, famous legendary music producer, produced Monterey Pop. Every, they, they screen this, you know, every so often, and Lou always shows up to do Q&As. He's a funny guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Lou Adler uh, and D.A. Pennebaker. 
pretty great. Uh, tons of great performances here. Everybody knows these. Uh, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, Mamas the Papas, Jimi Hendrix, The Who, uh, Ravi Shankar. I was just talking about him yesterday with with my wife, who who was unaware that Nora Jones is oh, Shankar's daughter. Oh, no, stop. You know what? There's a certain generation, man. I guess, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's just a few, just young enough. Enough to not make that connection. Like, I'm a child of the 60s. She's a child of the 70s, yeah, right? That, yeah. that makes the difference. All the difference in the makes world. Makes all the yeah. difference. So, anyway. Um, complete Monterey pop on Blu-ray. It's fantastic. Absolutely gorgeous. And then, um, here's an interesting one. Election, the Alexander Payne film. Yeah. Alexander has uh, a new film in theaters. I guess it's been out for a few weeks now. Downsizing. Yeah. Which, did not you know, get a lot of love from the yeah, group. And you no. know what? Alexander Payne has won awards from the LA Film Critics for virtually every movie he's ever made. Going Downs- all the way back to that one. Going back to this one. And uh, he won nothing for downsizing. The group did not really love the movie, which I thought was interesting. But uh, he and Ale- he and Jim Taylor uh, wrote this together, as they have almost, almost all of his films. And uh, you know what? Look, Matthew Broderick, Reese Witherspoon. We just talked about Reese. This yeah. is Reese Witherspoon is a high school uh, student, you know, running for student body president. And honestly, as a satire of high school, this may be the best movie ever made. As uh, an old, as an old high school history and civics teacher, uh, I can identify <laughs> with Matthew. I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have gone to the extent that he did to undo that kid. It's pretty great. But I had a couple of students who I wanted to undo more or it's, less, just like that. It's pretty work. great. Yeah. It's a pretty great movie. It's a lot of fun. I wish Alexander would make movies like this again. He. Uh, uh, as I've mentioned, I think before, Alexander was a graduate student when I was an undergraduate student, yeah. and uh, so I'm in the halls all the time. Yeah. And then, uh, lastly, is uh, Barbe Schroeder's amazing, amazing, chilling documentary, General Edie. I mean, Dada, self-portrait. Um, yes, what Forrest Whitaker does in his Oscar-winning performances, Edie. I mean, Dada is uh, in Last King of Scotland is tremendous. Mm. It's absolutely tremendous. Uh, but. There is just nothing to compare to the real Idi Amin Dada, yeah. who is uh, one of the most chilling sociopathic figures of the 20th century. And this is in 1974. Uh, you know, Barbe Schroeder, he gets him on film, man, in, in just the most horrific way. And it's just give him enough rope and let him hang himself. I really eat is. people. I eat people. Oh. I mean that uh, at that period, uh, um, uh, along with uh, later on, I guess the Duvaliers, but you know, Papa Doc anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, and unfortunately, uh, the recently deposed Robert Mugabe. Yeah. Who was actually something of a freedom fighter when he first got when he first, started. He, yeah, he but it, lost but it his mind. His life. Yeah. So, you know, he but Idi Amin was at the forefront of that group of uh, African yeah. uh, 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 leaders who forced out colonial occupying forces. Indeed, did do that. Yeah. And then it went and to then their heads. And then it just went south. Yeah, it just, it just all, went to their just heads. All went bad. Let me, let me make a quick uh, mention, too, because this is worth uh, putting a couple of shots out. Louis Black, uh, Black to the future. Um, Louis Black is still one of the funniest guys out mm. there, one of the edgiest comics, and uh, he's he's never uh, he's never uh, uh, pleasured himself in front of anyone. No. So and you, he, you 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 know why? Because all his anger is on the outside. <laughs> yes, that's <it> why. Is. <laughs> So anyway, that's out there in a uh, an eco pack, and uh, it just is is really just great. I it's all election related stuff, and it's all current events, and uh, there is just no end of material for him. He really is just one of the funniest guys out there. I love it when he loses his mind and he just gets angry and stabs the air. Lewis Black is one of the best. He's a national treasure. Um, also, if you're a uh, baseball fan. You know, Mark used to do all this stuff. And, yeah, uh, and, and that's by, a baseball way, boy. Mark is having a good time in Paris. We heard from him. He's having a grand old time. We've got the uh, World Champ- World Series Champions 2017 uh, regular seri- World Series film, which is a single Blu-ray uh, of the, uh, the uh, Houston Astros championship over our uh, local L.A. Dodgers, which is still a little bit painful. But um, And then we also have the collector's edition which is every single game in its entirety uh all seven of them and i mean this was an epic world series so you can either get the one blu-ray which you know will gives you you the highlights or you get the 
Big Mama, which is everything. And that includes Dodgers Radio, Spanish language radio broadcast option. Um, uh, it, it's, it's just everything. You know, you, 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 there, nothing. Yeah. Is, there's no stone unturned it's, with it's, this. It's, it's freakish, just what yeah. it is. I'm it sorry, sure is. you baseball people. It's, <laughs> it's freakish. You watched the game, you, you saw it. It was, that's enough. But now I need to do your yeah. thing. Uh, Zoo, um, um, James, uh, James Patterson's uh, series, which uh, lasted uh, through these three seasons, which sort of surprised me. I started out watching Zoo. Uh, when it first premiered three seasons ago, you know, kind of kind of lost the thread on it fairly quickly. It's about the yeah. animals going. It's about the animals going completely bananas and, and, and wild. This one is set in twenty in twenty twenty seven. That's when yep. this one sort of picks up and and, and presses on into the storyline there, which is you know fine. Uh, if you're into it, I suppose you're into it. Not so much me. Special features on this uh, include a season three uh, sneak peek and some deleted scenes, which actually are kind of interesting. And there's also this special effects reel, uh, a gag reel. But also a special effects reel, which I found sort of interesting. Uh, Zoo is a really big special effects show uh, with all the animals and all that kind of stuff going on. So if you're into that kind of stuff, that's really what this is for. Check it out for that. A lot of good Revolutionary War action continues in Poldark, the third season. Aiden Turner. How long before Aiden Turner becomes a big movie star? (laughs) Not very long at all. Um, He's going to make that leap really soon. Look, I used to watch that series when it was on. Was it the 70s or the 80s when the original Poldark was on? on It might have been the 70s. Might have been. Might have been that long ago. And some of those actors, by the way, show up. from The the guy that played Poldark plays a judge in this series, which is really great to me. Uh, and I love that, and I didn't think I would like this because I love that yeah. so much. Those shows, and those still hold up, by the way. They do. Those PBS shows still yeah. hold up completely. This though is so beautiful, so it is beautifully really shot, done. so beautifully shot, incredibly romantic. I love it a lot. Yeah. So uh, we are now in 1794 and uh, working our way through the uh, the Revolutionary War era. And uh, I'll tell you, Aiden Turner, man, he's just uh, he is uh, he's going to be a, a huge, huge movie star when he finally makes the jump. Um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see him in the mix to be the next James Bond. Yeah, he's he is young enough. He is young enough. He's young enough. Yeah. yeah. And and frankly, unless he's going to do something like that, go Bond. There's no reason to make the jump. No. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like it used to be back in the day where no. you know the Tom Selleck. You and I remember when oh, it was yeah. a big deal whether Tom was going to because he was almost in yeah. uh, Raiders Lost Ark, yeah. and then there was you know obviously Magnum PI for years, yep. and, and we didn't know. And True. he was he, Tom. People forget Tom Selleck was a movie star for about five years. Mister Base, no, oh, Mister yeah. Baseball, Mister Baseball, Three Men uh, and a Baby, uh, Quigley Down Under. Yeah. He had a little run as a movie star there. Yeah. Now what is Tom Selleck again? TV T- star. TV star. Making more money than he ever made in any one of those movies. So I'm not sure people care that much anymore (laughs) uh, like they used to. Uh, The Defiant Ones uh, on Blu-ray. This is an absolutely uh, fascinating uh, documentary series uh, following uh, the partnership of the unlikely, I suppose. I I don't know why I I say unlikely partnership between Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre. I don't really know. I I think I only said that because I've heard other people say it. I don't know what's unlikely about their partnership at all. There, if when you watch the series, what you can see is how much alike yeah. they are. The way they think the same. Yes. Set the music aside. In terms of business and what it takes to build an empire, these guys are the same. It's interesting because they're complete from completely different worlds. Obviously, the world of South Central Los. Angeles, uh, uh, Dr. Dre, born in 1965, yep. Jimmy Iovine, uh, uh, almost 20 years older, uh, from a completely different sector of the world, yet they are so much the same. And that was the most interesting thing to me about this series, juxtaposing these two men who, who seem like they ought to be really, really different, but aren't, and, and got each other uh, completely. Uh, the, the, the moment of tension when Dre sort of lets it slip that they're going to do that, I, that IP uh, for Beats, you know, a billion-dollar IP. And, you know, yeah. and that, that, that actually plays just pretty riveting in this movie. By the way, Beats, those headphones, yeah. suck. They're terrible. Oh, they're, they're terrible. They're Everyone awful. knows them. I know. Yeah, okay. But it's a brand. Yeah. Uh, Brenda Bleffen has had a wonderful, uh, for going from Oscar nominee to uh, basically the, the uh, a British television variation on yeah. on uh, an Agatha Christie kind of a, a, a mystery sleuth. Mm-hmm. Um, this is based on the Anne Cleves character. It's not Agatha Christie. Anne Cleves is kind of like a modern-day Agatha Christie as, as an author. But uh, Vera has been a great thing for her. This is set seven, four new mysteries, mm-hmm. just from last year and this year. 
Uh, and uh, you know, she's she's a she's a great sleuth, and these are cool mysteries. You know, British television mysteries tend to be either of the one-hour variety or the we're only going to do four of these feature-length every year variety. That's what these are. They only they four of them over the course of about a year and a half, two years, and uh, they're all feature-length and they're really intense and they're serious movies. They're and they're deeply dramatic. They don't always just lean into the sort of gore and, right. and you know, I mean and, and 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 stuff like that. They're very dramatic. Very dramatic. So, you know, secrets and lies. But nicely designed procedurally. Yeah. Uh, most people probably came in America came to Brenda yeah. Secrets and Lies. Yes. Which is middle nineties, I think. Yeah. Uh, but if you're an old uh, British television, you can go all the way back oh, to yeah. Yes Prime Minister. Yeah, you can you can find Brenda Brenda in the early '80s yep. in all kinds of stuff that you were watching. You mm-hmm. just didn't happen to know you were watching uh, Brenda Blethane. Um Game of Thrones, uh, the complete seventh season. Uh, yeah, I mean, what is there to say uh, uh, about if it? If you've been watching yeah. it, you know what to expect. If you haven't, yeah. uh, you know you better get. Get with it. Get started. Uh, I, uh, this Go back is, I, to the first. This is all about the uh, special features. Yeah. All, the, all the about this. So that's this is full of that. Uh, that's what you're going to get. At this point, I'm really recommending that people just wait until the show has run its course, and then do the whole and damn then thing. Just do the whole thing because it's all going to show on Netflix first, and then just this is what you do. Wait for it to finish its run because it's too late now to get started. I mean, you know, you can start with first, but wait till it finishes its run. Then binge the whole thing on Netflix because it'll all be on Netflix. Because you'll know whether or not you you are into it and you yeah. like it with before the end of the first season. And this when, is either your world or not your world. And if you love what you see on Netflix and you feel like you want to own it, yeah. like just having it on tap on Netflix is not enough. You actually want the discs with the nine million hours and, and years of extras credit, and all yeah. that stuff. Then you can go splurge on it. Yeah, yeah, and by then they'll probably have it all in a gigantic yeah. superset that costs about twenty five hundred dollars yeah, or, or something like that. Thank you for letting me do this one, Wade. One day at a time, the complete series. Uh, Pat Harrington was uh, he the best? Uh, man, Schneider. Schneider. You know, uh, it's just you know that would that would all be considered sexual harassment today. By the way. <laughs> I just want to point everything that he does in that show would be considered he'd be he'd be sexually harassing. Now, here's man. something interesting: the the seventies sitcoms in the seventies were were very interesting because they 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 centered very often not exclusively around, but the the peripheral characters, sometimes the central characters, were really very urban blue collar people. Yes. And we don't get that anymore. Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker. Uh, uh, Jefferson, was a guy, Jefferson even. Archie Bunker came home every day with his with his his lunchbox from, you know, working whatever. I don't even remember what Archie did. What did he uh, work? He, well, mostly, well, he, he drove a taxi at night. That's what it was. He, he drove, drove a taxi, taxi at, at night. night. That was his second job. But the day job okay. was, was, was like, whatever I don't even was. know. You know, it was this one. Yeah, exactly. You, you had Schneider. He's just walking around with a tool belt all day long, fixing stuff around the property. All the cast of Taxi. The whole cast of Taxi. You had... Uh, you had Mel, Mel's Diner. Mel, yeah. Mel is a short order cook. Kiss my grits. I uh, mean, uh, regular. F- you, you're absolutely right. Even George Jefferson. George by Jefferson the way. was a work. He worked his way up. Worked his way he up. He was a working class That's man, right. and he still worked at those dry cleaners every day. These were all working class people, and you know, good times. Yeah. John, good t- right? Get out of here. It's just these were all working class people, and and comedies don't focus on working no, class people anymore. No, it all and that's t- interesting it, it, to me. It, it really is. It's a thing. It, it was true of film in the seventies too. A lot of films, yeah. You know, you know blue collar films about all those Robert Altman films yeah. about regular people doing regular stuff. This is a, one of the early one of the early moments. Julia, you can probably go all the way back to Julia. Diana Carroll, single mom. Yeah. Julia was a single mom. Peggy on Mannix. Uh, who well, there are a Peggy. lot of single she was pa- a single mom. A lot of single parent shows from the sixties into yeah. the, especially in the seventies. You, you know, courtship of Eddie's father and fam- Eddie's father, family yeah. affair, and uh, you know, Ghost and Mrs. Muir, and even Andy Griffith's show. Well, all to, this to, stuff. To, to a certain extent, even the Brady Bunch, you had these Absolutely. single mom, the, the, yeah. these sort of blended families. It was much more sophisticated in certain ways. Yeah, the eighties gave way to another thing. This show sort of bleeds over into the eighties, of course. But Ann Romano and uh, yeah. you know Valerie Bertinelli, who I had a crush on, like you would not believe, everyone did. Uh, uh, they are, went on to become a, so. Anyway, this is a um, a fantastic set, complete uh, series, uh, man. Uh, uh, four and five and six discs, uh, depending on exactly what season you're looking at, uh, of the entire nine season run of uh, one day at a time. Bonnie Franklin, Mackenzie Phillips, Valerie Bertinelli. 
uh, and the wonderful Pat Harrington, who I think we Pat. I know I know Bonnie's gone. Yeah, uh, and I think we lost Pat two or three years ago. From we, I think we did. I think we did. So th so there you go with that. All right. Anyway, uh, fantastic. Uh, a few special features on this, including a twenty-page episode guide, complete series, one day at a time. Some classic movies to go through. Uh, let me just kick out a few here real quickly. Uh, Death Dream from Blue Underground on a Blu-ray DVD combo set. Uh, Death Dream, kind of a you know, it's uh, it, it has a little bit of a of a cult following. There's some uh, some respectable extras on here. Now this was directed by Bob Clark, who most people today know as the guy who did a Christmas Story. Yes. Uh, sweet, wholesome, wonderful. You people forget he also did Black Christmas, the yeah. slasher Christmas yeah, movie. Of that, yeah. And my generation knows him as the guy who inflicted porkies on the world. Yes. So Bob Clark, but Bob Clark also directed uh, I'll Remember April, a wonderful drama written by our friend Mark Sanderson, who is a high school and film school buddy of mine with Pat Morita. Beautiful, beautiful story. So Bob Clark was sort of all over the place, and uh, but he was he did love his uh, he did love his genre. Uh, slasher movies, his genre horror movies, and this happens to be one of them. Great uh, gore effects by the uh, amazing Tom Savini. Tons of extras here, uh, audio commentaries and uh, interviews and 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 much more. So uh, Death Dream from Blue Underground, really really great, um, you know horror horror classic from uh, the early seventies, nineteen seventy four. Um, if you are a Bob Clark fan in particular, you will want to check it out. Otherwise, uh, not a lot to recommend it. And then Heat and Dust from Cohen. Uh, Tim and I have done audio commentaries for Cohen, mm -hmm. and uh, this is a classic Merchant Ivory film. They are doing a lot of Merchant Ivory stuff. Cohen has acquired uh, a substantial number of the Merchant Ivory films from the uh, their collection and are redoing them, remastering them beautifully. This won an Adapted Screenplay Award from BAFTA, and uh, it is it is one of the one of the the more personal of uh, the Merchant Ivory films with a great screenplay by Ruth Parjabvala, and uh, it it. It's a it's almost an existential fusion of what made the Merchant Ivory team work. You know, uh, what's interesting to me is how British those films were, despite the fact that none of the three of them were really British. Yeah. You know, James Ivory American, uh, Ismail Merchant is Indian, and Ruth Parjabvala was German. Yeah. So you know that. Uh, but although there's an Indian connection, Ruth had married an Indian man, uh, and of course Ismail is Indian. So this has uh, an interesting dual cultural aspect to it which is really really fascinating and the way that the two stories are uh, are are interconnected is is just beautiful um two different generations two different stories beautifully fused in this fascinating movie heat and dust uh, really deserves a, a rediscovery julie christie is absolutely wonderful greta skaki just as wonderful two of the great actresses of two different generations and um taken from a 4k restoration it is gorgeously well photographed so uh, highly recommended with a lot of great special features on here as well. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, James Ivory even enters a new conversation. And by the way, James Ivory also enjoying a little bit of residual yeah. success because he wrote Call Me By Your Name, yeah. which is uh, was our best picture this year. He didn't direct it, but he wrote it. But he wrote it. And uh, the, the film, which is set, what is it called Call Me By Your Name? Set in the early 80s. Set in the early 80s. Yeah, about uh, 81, 82. Yeah, and, and, and I think that that owes him because he has yeah. this extremely sort of uh you know, he's not trying to write anything modern he doesn't no. have to write cell phone conversations nah. and, you know you know he, it, it lives in that spot where he lives yep. i saw the remains of the day it was on oh. uh, t broadcast television just the other day oh my goodness uh love that, that movie know, that, that, that movie just just absolutely breathtaking um shall i shall i poke at a couple yeah. of these yeah uh, go for it 42 um, uh, which was made in 1971, um, and it's just a, 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 a lovely film, and, and just always was. Uh, Jennifer O'Neill and, and Gary Grounds and Jerry Hauser in this beautiful movie uh, written by Her Herman Rauscher. Um, I, you know, this romance probably stuck with me. First of all, when I first saw this movie, uh, it, you know, which would have been close to 1971, unfortunately, <laughs> when I was yeah. like 10 or 11 or 12 or 14 yeah. or whatever, in the, in, the, in the middle 70s when I first saw it, I thought that it was a movie that was set in 1942. Right. You know, so whatever, my teenage right. mind. And to this day, this movie, though I know it was a movie that was set in 1942, but I thought it was a movie made in 1942. That's what, mm -hmm. I, was, that's what mm -hmm. I was trying to say. <laughs> uh, um, um, uh, it not just set there. 
And it took me a long time to sort of unwrap. That's how well made this movie and how yeah. beautifully set this movie is. It lives in my head in 1942, despite the fact that it's a totally modern movie. Anyway, uh, a lovely film. Not a lot of special uh, stuff on here. Robert Mulligan, man, yeah. you know. What are War- you do? Warner yeah. Archive. Yeah. Warner Archive film. Um, I'm going to pop over to The Scarecrow. Oh, I love this movie. Wonderful Gene Hackman, Al Pacino uh, film. It's about a con man. Jerry uh, Shot, Jerry Schatzberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it uh, you know, and and people who don't people don't know Schatzberg's name today. They don't realize Jerry Schatzberg was a was a bit of an indie auteur, primarily in the seventies. But uh, this this movie is. This is it's fascinating what an what an influence this movie had on a on a whole generation of filmmakers. It, it's it's well, yeah. semi. I mean, I'm thrilled that they put it out on Blu-ray because it deserves to be discovered. Um, I have talked to so many directors, like major blockbuster directors, especially from the '80s and '90s, yeah. who were really influenced by this. Well, Jerry was he was one of the early guys create along with I don't know well Haskell Wexler as a cinematographer yeah. creating that cinema that that that, yeah. that 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 this is this is the way it's, it's Panic in Needle Park. Yeah. That's Jerry. Exactly. And, and you feel like you're watching a doc. Yeah. When you watched a, a, Sh- a Schatzberger film, you, these these people who were and again a certain a certain segment of society being covered in cinema that we don't uh, the, the these are marginal are, figures marginal figures Midnight just like Cowboy in Midnight Cowboy figures, exactly all that kind of stuff yeah. the, the movies are not about these guys anymore Pacino is so great in that yeah. there's a scene where he runs around a market it's one of the funniest things you will ever see in a film it's, and it's just it's just him running around yeah fantastic it's hysterical stuff. fantastic stuff. Uh, three other archive uh, films I'll make mention of real quickly. Uh, Night School. Uh, you know, Night School has a following only because it's uh, it's just a, a genre thing. It's not you know Rachel War, very young Rachel Ward, but it's a uh, it's a genre thing. There's nothing particularly to recommend it other than the people of a certain generation really, really, really enjoyed this movie. Uh, kind of you know for for that suspense slasher moment. Uh, Hell on Frisco Bay with Alan Ladd and Edward G. Robinson uh, is you know as as a as a kind of Quasi noir of a of the nineteen fifties. Um, yeah, it's fine. I mean, Edward G. Robinson is is getting on a little bit in age, but uh, you know, good music. Max Steiner does a, a great score, and uh, it it you know it. I guess it scratches the itch is probably the best way I can do it. Frank Tuttle, who directed it, not one of my favorite directors. Um, Battle Cry is, is, has had a real following for a long time. This is a a terrific Raoul Walsh uh, yeah. war film. Really, really great. Kind of, this is sort of the original um, mishmash of guys in a platoon movie, where the platoon is is meant to be sort of a a a, um, uh, a metaphor for life, uh, for, yeah. for the American melting pot and all that. This is kind of where a lot of that really begins. This is uh, one of the first of those movies that that seriously does it from 1955, uh, adapted by Leon Uris from his own novel. It's uh, you know, it's it's in many respects a standard World War II movie, but it is. At the same time, uh, it, it's something more. It's something bigger. And Raoul Walsh was one of those directors, a little bit like uh, Samuel uh, um, uh, Fuller. Sam Fuller, yeah. who just you know, yeah. brought he just brought the yeah. the testosterone and yeah. the anger and the psychosis and kind of fueled it. So he's a little bit. He's maybe a notch below Fuller, but uh, Raoul Walsh, very good. Battle Cry, terrific. Also in the Warner Archive collection. Um, Animal Cry from 2000, uh, Willem Dafoe, Ed Furlong movie, which I think is Steve Buscemi's directorial debut. Uh, yeah. People can check me on that, but I'm almost sure that it is. This was a very, very good movie, uh, which I, I thought heralded something of a career, perhaps, for Steve, mm-hmm. who was also already a very, very popular character actor by then, and of course still is. Um, this was a good, strong movie. I had forgotten how many interesting uh, characters were in this movie. You have... Um, you have uh, Mickey Rourke playing a really interesting sort of transvestite, uh, prison transvestite woman, man called Jan. You got uh, 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 you got Seymour Castle in this movie. You got Tom Arnold in this movie. You got oh, John Seymour. Heard in this movie. This was a very, very strong. It's about a young man who goes to prison. Uh, Ed Furlong's character. Ed Furlong, of course, who uh, was uh, in Terminator movies, um, uh, and it gets taken under the wing of Willem Dafoe, who, of course, right now is running around the Florida Project. Oddly, looks exactly the 
same. He's well, not aged a day. Yeah, ectomorphs are like that. You know, once yeah. you're once you're there, that's yeah. just where you are. Anyway, this is a very very strong film. Lots of great stuff in terms of special features on this, uh, but most importantly, the high definition digital transfer audio commentary by the novelist Eddie Bunker, who wrote that book. Danny Trejo was in this movie. Uh, it's just really strong movie, The Animal Factory. And, uh, you know, let me let me knock out a few more anime here real quickly. So uh, Funimation has uh, released a whole bunch of really, really interesting titles for the holidays. Um, put these on the list as well for your for your anime fans. Uh, Super Lovers Season 1. Uh, you know, again, this is uh, this is domestic. This is and, and it always amazes me how so many of these characters look Caucasian. But yeah. uh, anyway, this is uh, this is interesting kind of domestic drama, uh, you know, which could be in Japan, could be in North America, it could sort of be anywhere. So it's very accessible. Then we've got uh, Blu-ray DVD combo pack of Alderamine on the Sky, uh, which is uh, which you know it's pretty violent, uh, but it's the 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 uh, imperial drama here. Get you know the the if you can kind of get through all the soap opera, the imperial drama. If you can kind of get through the Game of Thrones. Uh, machinations and interplay between the characters, uh, you know, which involves all kinds of, you know, very specific laws and rules that govern this world. Uh, it's pretty engaging. So uh, give that a look. Uh, the last bunch include the very, very bloody, very violent, but really well animated Drifters Battle in a Brand New World War. Uh, these are the people who did uh, Helsing, and boy, is this just, it almost looks like it's painted. This is. Uh, it's incredibly blo bloody and, and really brutal, but man, it, uh, it it's just it's just really really well animated. Some of the best looking anime you'll ever see. Uh, skewing a little bit younger for the teen set, Cheer Boys, the complete series. It's more you know school school politics. Uh, uh, Honda Kun, the complete series, which is uh, also a you know it's kind of it goes it's a little bit in the same same vein. Um, uh, First Love Monster, which is skews probably a little bit younger. This is kind of like uh, early teens, and it's uh, it's a lot of you know like fifth graders and sixth graders, and it's very strange. And then um, here are the two that are really really dazzling: the uh, Genocidal Organ Blu-ray DVD and uh, Ultraviolet combo. Ultraviolet apparently Funimation is still with Ultraviolet. Have not switched over to movies anywhere. I'm not getting any word on whether or not they will, but um, this is mind-blowing animation. Lots of work went into this. This is based on a novel uh, by Project Ito. I don't even know what Project Ito is, but uh, wow, it's just it's it's it all takes place in primarily in Europe. After there's a well, not primarily in Europe, but it's it's a global terrorism plot, and it all kind of begins in Sarajevo. It's 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 you know cyberpunky and just incredibly visionary and heavy metally, and it's just it's cool genocidal organ, and then uh, a rare Funimation live action release, which is Ninja Hunter. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I gotta be honest, ninjas chasing people around is something I never, never get tired of. It's why I like the, uh, it's why I like, uh, mm. the, uh, the daredevil stuff. On oh, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. The hand, man, I, the hand, just chase people around with, uh, with ninja. You know, did you see that, uh, Luke, our good friend Luke Thompson, Lafka colleague, sent a picture of, uh, of him with, uh, with Rosie? No, I didn't know. Yeah, and I just Oh, thought, yes, I did with Rosie, uh, yeah, with Rosie, yeah, I did see yeah. that, yeah. I told him, I said, get away from her. Anyone who's near that woman gets chased by ninjas. <laughs> She's bad news, man. Night nurse. Night nurse. So anyway, uh, Ninja Hunter, live action from Funimation. Also a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's brutal, but yeah, it's worth checking out. Uh, Ed, look, um, um, uh, Code of Silence, Chuck Norris's movie, Code of Silence, right? Yep. 1985. People forget that this movie was directed by Andrew Davis. Who would go on to do The Fugitive. The Fugitive. Mm -hmm. and, and, and set in Chicago. This is set in Chicago. This is a, a cop movie. He's a good cop. There's a crooked cop. There's a, 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 yep. a, some, bad line, some bad guys that he wants to take down. The other good cops want to stop him. It's good stuff. 
uh, back when Chuck Norris was still doing these sort of big movies, and Andrew Davis knew knew how to make these movies. So this is a real serious film. There is an audio commentary from Andrew Davis on this film, too, as well as from screenwriter Michael Butler and uh, the film's composer, David Michael Frank. This is a really, really neat movie. Uh, look, I love all those Chuck Norris jokes, you know. Uh, yeah, but you know the thing about those Chuck Norris jokes—they all feel true. <laughs> they do. Yeah, I know they're crazy, but yeah. I swear every time I hear one, I have to think about it for yeah. seven years. That kind of feels true to me. Uh, the Burning Bed, Farrah Fawcett. Uh, this is the movie that uh, made Farrah Fawcett into a legitimate actress. A tele- it was a television movie. Um, and uh, about a woman uh, who was uh, being abused. It's, it's uh, it, kind uh, of yeah. timely, right? Everything seems to be. But, but you know, Fair Fawcett, who, of course, had been a wonderful model and had been on Charlie's Angels. I think she only did a season on Charlie's Angels. If I'm not, and she made a movie with, uh, what was it, Saturn 7 or something like yeah. that, maybe? Or, you know, Saturn big, 5. Saturn, Saturn 5, big old gigantic yeah. sci-fi movie. Saturn 3? But it uh, was, whatever it was. Whatever it was. But it was this movie, The Burning Bed, uh, that made her a serious actress mm-hmm. and and, uh, and 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 stood her uh, well for for a long time yep. very powerful stuff interview with director uh, Robert Greenwald in this movie that's another one this movie was directed by Robert Green- good directors mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. they're a thing we we, we kind of uh, a good director is a, is is a hell of a thing man you know what else robert greenwald directed what? xanadu indeed Right. You even got it on that, yeah. Uh, our last batch of films are from Olive, and we love the people at Olive. They uh, like Twilight Time. They mine a, a lot of great stuff that the studios otherwise would never release for some just godforsaken reason. Uh, Arthur Penn's amazing The Miracle Worker, which won an Academy Award for Anne Bancroft, uh, got a, a uh, an Academy Award nomination for a very young Patty Duke, and uh, you know what? It's still an amazing movie. This yeah. is just such a, a landmark film. Uh, of course, this is the story of uh, of Helen Keller and how she was uh, how she was taught, how she was sort of brought out of her uh, deafness and blindness, and, and able to in, engage with the world world by her um, her teacher Annie. Uh, you know what? Honestly, uh, Anne Bancroft just she kills it in this part. She yeah. just absolutely kills it. It's unbelievable, and uh, you know Annie Sullivan is is the nice thing about this movie is that Annie Sullivan really got her yeah her her due thanks to this movie in many respects. If people knew more about Annie Sullivan years later than they did about Helen Keller. Yep. Yeah, uh, which is an interesting sort yeah. of thing, you know. Um, uh, people don't know a lot about Helen Keller either, for that matter. Uh, I, I encourage everyone to look up uh, uh, the later life Helen Keller, and what you will find is very, very interesting. Yes, she was, it is. She's, she's, it's not what you think it is. Uh, and then the uh, also from all of the madness of King George, directed by Nicholas Heitner, uh, which was a a real sensation when it was released in 1994. Really uh, was, yeah. It, it, Samuel Goldwyn Films had a had a real hit on their hands. All about the uh, the king of England during the American Revolution and how he was completely going out of his mind, like we, literally, like literally going out of his mind. Uh, it's a terrific story. It really, is a great story. Very uh, elegantly done. Uh, written by Alan Bennett, based on his play, and Nicholas Heitner, who's basically a stage director, launched his film career with this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah Rupert Everett. I, I, funny, I think about all the young, yeah, uh, all who, the people who broke through with that the, movie. That that neat, neat movie, A New Leaf. Man, this Elaine May film, which is so funny, Walter Matthau, Elaine May, Elaine May directed. Uh, it's about this uh, ne'er-do-well playboy who uh, goes through all of his money and is told by his lawyer that uh, he will not be able to. And he decides he wants to get married. Elaine May, playing the rich, uh, who he was just completely disconnected from reality. And everything that he goes through in order to try right. to marry up with her, it is just the funniest it's, thing. It's, one, it's, it's Elaine May at her best. And I, st- I still think that uh, Ishtar is, is awfully good, too. People don't get Ishtar. I know. I that do. is fantastic. Dustin Hoffman and, and Warren Beatty, just fantastic. The buzzards, it's just Stop. You know, those, some of those songs I can still sing. Yep. Uh, so anyway, Elaine May uh, and, uh, and uh, Walter Matthau, Elaine May directing that. Uh, uh, Letter from an Unknown Woman, woman uh, absolutely so fantastic good. film. Uh, about 1948, 1947. This I think was, it is. Look up. Yeah, this was part of... Uh, Max Opel's 1948 yeah. is what it was. Yeah, this is... This from is Olive. It's it's wonderful. This is part of the Olive signature line. Uh, yeah, Joan uh, Joan Fontaine, Louis Jordan. It's uh, 
This is what this, you know. A lot of movies like Letter to Three Wives, Letter from an yeah. Unknown Woman. Yeah. There are a lot of movies during the era that centered around letters. We can't do that now. No. Email from an unknown one. Nah, it doesn't work anywhere. <laughs> it's not doesn't the same thing at all. <laughs> and and Ophuls was just such a such a wonderful, elegant, uh, <sighs> elegant director as well. Thematically, uh, though, very sophisticated stuff. Thematically, I'll say this. I'll say this. It, 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 you know, Ophuls. Whether working in France or in Hollywood, the one thing that makes Ophuls really unique is that his camera work is as good as there will ever be in movies. Yeah. Uh, you just don't see it anymore. People get kind of lazy now with steady cams, and and will you know they don't really block their actors, and they don't choreograph the camera to the blocking. Ophuls did. It's yeah. like a dance. It's yeah. like the actors and the camera are dancing, and it's so elegant and it's so fluid. And you don't notice it unless you pay attention to it. And if you pay attention to it, you will be awestruck. And, and the actors, as eloquent uh, as his camera work in those yeah. movies. Operation Petticoat, what are you, you, know, you going to say? Blake Edwards, yeah. uh, uh, Cary Grant, Tony Curtis, John O'Brien. This, uh, this is just wonderful. It's uh, a lot of fun. Just, just absolutely wonderful. It's also from Olive, correct? Yes, indeed. From the Olive Signature line, lots of extras on here, uh, including a, uh, an Adrian Martin audio commentary. And uh, tons of featurettes. It's uh, archival footage of the uh, of the the actual, you know, submarine that doubled yeah, yeah. that doubled for them in the movie. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I you just I, these you know this is just fun, pure fun. And uh, they do not make Dick them Sergeant. Come on, like that anymore. anymore. Yeah. Don't. All right, baby. All right, with that, we are done, and uh, have a very Merry Christmas. Uh, undecided as to when we exactly come back, we will uh, we'll wait and see how everybody's holiday schedules do. We'll probably do one more show before the end of the year, and then we will see you in uh, 2018. Uh, we are now, by the way, should have made mention last week, last week was our 100th, oh! 100th Digigod podcast since leaving uh, IGN. So we are now at 101. We're off onto a, onto a whole uncharted territory, triple digits. It's a good number. All right, everybody. Have a great week. Have a wonderful Christmas.